0: I really believe this is an important message this morning. Not discounting any messages, but but I really believe that this is really going to shake up the kingdom of hell um, because the enemy just really wants uh, your ears to be closed this morning to what really wants to be stated. And this live dead series that we have been going through over these past couple of weeks, every message has been a defining moment in our lives. That it really is called to bring transformation to us individually and corporately in this body. And I really believe that the enemy is working extremely hard. He's trying to work over time, but his resources are limited compared to God's. And so I'm just excited this morning that we are living from a place of victory and not defeat this morning. So can we just give God, give God a big hand because of what he is doing here in us and through us. So we have been in this series called Church of the Living Dead. And uh, you have been so on board with this, with participation, that we have actually sold out of our Live Dead journals. And uh, if you have not picked one up yet, or maybe you're looking for one, uh, we want to direct you towards Amazon. Uh, we do not have any more in-house, but we want to direct you towards Amazon. Uh, if you do not have a journal and you're wondering, what is all the hype about? It's not hype, it's transformational. And I really encourage you to get plugged in, grab one. It is not too late. Um, I really believe, honestly, that you could read through this for the rest of the year uh, as, as an incredible reminder. But we've been discovering together what it means to live dead. And to live dead means that we have to make this conscious decision to cross over. Now, let me explain that. When we cross over, it means that we are now focusing on God and we're focusing on living for other people's intentions for Jesus Christ. That means we die to ourselves, which is an extremely painful process. I wish that I could say that it's fantastic and it's something to look forward to, but... It's not, but the end result is so worth it. It's, it's fantastic, and it's amazing, and the payoff is so worth it. And we have to change the way we live if we really want to die. Think about that, if we really want to die. It's not like we wake up every morning and physically we wish that we die, but, but when you're a Christ follower, there is this call that is placed within each and every single one of us to sacrifice but not just sacrifice the things that are easy to sacrifice, but he calls us to a place of death where we have to change the way we live in order to die. Because when you're a Christ follower, real living is about dying. Real living is about dying. Another part of learning to live dead is cultivating courage. Now, a lot of times we, in our human perspective, we define courage in many different ways. For example, when I say the word courage, I'm sure there's like ideas or images that pop into your mind such as these. And I'm not discounting this because these men and women, warriors of the Bible who have gone before us and police officers, firemen and and paramedics, they, they all are full of courage. But what really matters most is not how we define courage. What matters is how Daddy God defines courage when he looks at us. See, when, when we think of God and we look at God, when he thinks of courage, this is what he sees. You, me, moms, dads, single people, married people, teenagers, children, grandmas, grandpas, families. God looks at us and he sees courage through us. He looks at us and that's when he defines the word courage in heaven, our names come up. When Father, Son and Holy Spirit are having a discussion about courage, your face comes before them. Yes, I understand and, uh, and agree that, that we have our different ideas of courage, but but what if we could just shift our mindset from now till God returns That when he looks at us, when he smiles at us, that he finds us to be courageous people. Because he, he knows that we are impossible to be subdued by the enemy if we only allow him to work through us. Think about that for a moment. When God looks at us, he doesn't look at us and automatically deem us failures. Sometimes it's easy for us that we put ourselves in categories and we think that maybe heaven has this room off to the side that no one really talks about. And under there, there's like our pictures and we got those little plaques. Fail, failure number one, failure number two, three, four, and just numerically just goes. But that's not the case. When God looks at us, he has such confidence in us because of what he has done through Jesus that he knows that we can not be subdued by the enemy, that we can actually overcome the enemy, that we have the abilities to overcome the enemy and that we have the courage that we need to deal with what we're facing in the moment. We have this ability to wear courage like a breastplate, a breastplate that protects us as warriors of Christ. We have this ability to put it on and wear it with humility in the face of the enemy. We have that courage already available to us. When we live dead for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the call to be courageous is not an option. Sorry to disappoint some of you. The call to be courageous is not an option. I think about it in modern times, we have so many options. I mean, we could spend probably the rest of the service just talking about the options that we have available nowadays. Think about it. We have options with our phones. You want any kind of phone, you have options. You can go to, and if if you don't like a certain carrier, you still have options. Think about it. Options with food. You don't like certain food, so you can go somewhere else. And if you don't like a certain restaurant, you still have more options. We do it with our vehicles. I mean, there's cars now that park themselves. I mean, think about that. I mean, we have options with that. In fact, I remember back in the day, like when I was applying for colleges, like you had to apply for a college because you were actually physically going to leave your house and go live at that college because there is no other option. Now you can like take school in the comfort of your own home and you don't even have to worry. You can do your application online. You don't even have hard copy paper anymore because we have options. But see, when it comes to following Jesus, our options begin to narrow. When it comes to following Jesus, there's things that that he looks at us and he says, hey, I know that you used to do this, but that just doesn't jive with my character. And our option begins to narrow. We get with Jesus and he says, hey, look, I know friends with benefits is a culture thing, but it's not a culture thing in my kingdom. So your option now is going to narrow. Hey, I understand that, that an eating disorder that you have is what you use to cope with the wounds of your heart, but let me tell you what, when you get in my presence and you get in my character, that begins to narrow your options now and that's no longer an option for you. And we could go on and on and on about the things or the options that are out there that begin to narrow when we get into the presence of Jesus. And sometimes we try to bring the culture into God by creating more options. But that doesn't work. Because God is not a buffet of options. When we live dead, courage will not be rationalized. Let me give you this definition. It's a fascinating definition. To rationalize means to attempt to explain, now get this, or justify, one's own or another's behavior or attitude with logical, plausible reasons. Now get this, even if these are not true or appropriate. Let me just read that one more time in a, like a normal English version here. To rationalize means to, uh, to attempt and explain and to justify your own behavior or attitude with logic and plausible reason, even if it's not true or appropriate. We can't rationalize courage. We can have so many logical reasons, so many plausible reasons, but when God looks at us says, no, can't rationalize that. Not with me, not with my definition of courage. Let's look in the book of Acts. We're going to camp out in the book of Acts this morning, and we're going to talk about the apostles and how these guys were courageous, and the people that they influenced, the other men and the women and children of that culture, how they were courageous people for the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter two, verses 37 through 38, it says this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's this moment in time, and and, and think about this, Peter's notorious for this. He's got the track record, okay? We all know when we mention Peter, what do we automatically think of? This is where you can shout out. Right, he's a denier, he's a betrayer. This guy let JC down at the most critical time, right? Well, here's the thing, it's funny how that works because in that moment, Peter all of a sudden gets this momentum of courage in him that is supernatural and he addresses this massive crowd of people and change happens. Peter didn't go to courage school. Between the time that Christ died and rose and then when Christ comes to them and speaks to them before he ascends into heaven, excuse me, he didn't go to courage school. He wasn't hanging out, learning how to be courageous. You know why? Because when God looks at us, he already sees it instilled within us. Church, if we feel like we got to learn how to be courageous, we're starting off on the wrong foot. It's already within us. We just have to exercise it. If you are a follower of Jesus, you've accepted him as your personal savior. You've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that he is Lord of your life and you have repented of your sin and you call yourself a Christ follower. You don't have to search for courage. It's already instilled within you. Just like Peter. We've rationalized so much when it comes to how and when when we share the gospel. Think about that. We've justified reasons as to why not, why we shouldn't speak about the gospel to our coworkers or our friends on campus or in our schools or even with our own family members. Sometimes we get like ideas. I got to stop saying like. I'm around my daughter too much with the daddy like, like this, like this daddy like. Um, But think about this for a moment there's always opportunity before us to talk about the gospel, and we always have an excuse. Well, I'm not a good evangelist. You're right. Maybe you're not called to be an evangelist, but the word also says to do the work of an evangelist. Well, I just don't talk that good with people. I'm sorry, but, you know, you don't need to go to, to, to a school where you learn how to talk properly properly. The gospel is so simple that even a child can understand it. It tells us in the word. Or maybe we say, well, I just don't know the right timing. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, you'll know. And if you're looking for the right timing and the opportunity, you'll see it. But if you're not looking, you'll never see it. You'll always miss it. I want you to watch a real life story here.
1: I had uh, two friends and they both overdosed on different kinds of drugs and they, they just they never woke up. It made me feel crushed that I didn't do anything to help them. There's always opportunities and I never took them and now that I see all this is happening and he's gone now and I don't know where he's at. I don't know if he's in heaven or if he's in hell or what's what where he's at. I wish I would have said something. I wish I would have just asked him, at least asked him what he believes in. But I didn't and I can't take it back but it can just drive me to do that for somebody else. In our town, there's a lot of like drugs and alcohol and it's hard to get away from. It's so hard, it's everywhere. It's just been rough because People are blaming, you know, God for taking our friends. It's not God that's doing that. It's it's the drug, it's the alcohol, it's it's everything that's going on. And like, it's inspired me to talk to people about Christ because I feel that most of these people that are turning to drugs, that they really are. They have so many problems. Like my friend who passed away recently, he, he turned to drugs and alcohol. And if he would've, And maybe if he would have had Jesus, drugs and alcohol would not be in the picture. I'm talking to some of my friends right now. It's hard for me to do it because I I get really nervous when I talk, but they just, they need better in their lives because I don't want to see that happen anymore. And not, I don't want to sit at another funeral and be like, I should have done this. I should have said that. I should have took him here, you know. I want to do everything I can before
0: it's too late. The words of Shelby, and she said, I had two friends who overdosed on drugs. I had all of these opportunities and I never took them. That's a sobering story. It's reality. And the enemy will use rationalizing to intimidate us. He'll work on us over and over and over again and give us excuse after excuse after excuse. And this is why we need courage. The courage that is already within us. And when we come to this place where we desire to live dead for Jesus... I think there'll be less stories like Shelby's. Church, it is our intimacy. It is our intimacy with Daddy God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit that intimidates the enemy. Let me repeat that. It is our intimacy with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that intimidates the enemy. Now hear me, it is not how many Bible studies you attend. It is not how many times you pray a day. It is not how much scripture you memorize. It is not how many worship services you make on a Sunday and Wednesday and in between. It is your personal intimacy with Jesus that intimidates the enemy and will bring transformation. Yes, Bible study is good and it's important because it's a spiritual discipline and so is prayer and worship and all those things are needed to accelerate our intimacy with God but let me tell you what if we are drowning ourselves over and over with this rationalizing thought that if I just read a little more but don't apply it and if I just pray a little more and I don't pray for those who don't know Jesus and if I just get to enough worship service but don't invite anybody or take that worship with me to work we're fooling ourselves We're just fooling ourselves. When the enemy looks at us, what makes him tremble, what makes him think twice, what makes him a little standoffish is when he sees the consistent life of intimacy that we have between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's when he thinks twice. That's when he gets upset. That's when he gets irritated. That's when he gets worn down. Especially when we take that intimacy And we take it to those who don't know Jesus. That is a real definition of courage. Our confidence, our acceptance, our identity, and our position in Christ is what gives us courage. That is what cultivates it. Our courage, our acceptance, our identity, our position, our confidence, that is what creates the courage within us as Christ followers. But we can't get position. We can't get confidence. We can't get acceptance. We can't get identity if we're not pursuing God intimately. Without courage deep in our bones the gospel won't be proclaimed. In Matthew 28, famous passage, famous passage, quoted a lot. Go therefore and do what? Make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We can't make disciples if we don't have them. We got to bring people to Jesus first before we can disciple them. And we're fools. I'm sorry to say this. I include myself. I'm not sorry. I'm just including myself in the statement. We're fools if we think that we can be a discipleship farm and we'll just wait for everyone to come in. If we want to live dead for Jesus, it's going to take courage to go to the marketplace It's going to take courage for us to go to our campuses. It's going to take courage for us to go to our schools and to our families. And it's going to take courage to overcome those awkward moments. It's going to take courage to overcome our pride and to simply share the message of Jesus with those who don't know him. Listen again to what Shelby says. I don't want to sit at another funeral and be like, I should have done this. Or said that, I should have taken him there. I want to do everything I can before it's too late. What if that was the cry of our hearts? I want to do everything I can before it's too late. I want to grab hold of every opportunity before it's too late. What would happen if that was just sitting and stirring within the bones of our bodies that that when we wake up there is a fire within us that cannot be quenched because we have had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that has changed us so much that we're so excited about it and it's not an, a mundane relationship but this is something powerful and we just want to take it and give it away what would happen what would happen when we live dead, courage proclaims what is urgent. The word gospel means news. It's not good news, it's awesome news. Good is too cliche. Everything's good now. That taco I had today at lunch was good. you just had a new song on iTunes, it was good. Hey, how about that new brand of Coca-Cola? It's good. You ever hear the gospel? It's good. No, no, no. That's where things change. You hear the gospel? That's awesome. Coca-Cola doesn't bring transformation. iTunes doesn't bring transformation. The gospel, the news, the awesome news is what brings transformation. And we have it in our possession. And all it takes is a little bit of supernatural courage on our parts to dig deep right within us. We don't have to read more books on courage. We don't have to listen to the next cast, and we don't have to look at the next blog to see what's being said about courage. We don't need to drown ourselves in a courage fest. We just need to take what's in here that God put there and begin to well it up and take it and apply it. And then we will be courageous people. We have to protect the gospel from becoming a philosophy or a self-help manual. See, so The world's trying to compensate and write books on self-help and philosophy, and they're trying to, trying to create something greater and better, but there will be nothing that can ever compare to the awesome message of the gospel. And the world doesn't need another self-help manual. It doesn't need another philosophy to get lost in. It needs transformation. And we're the ones who have it. Put your hand on your chest. Believe this when you say it. Repeat this after me. I have it. I'm a carrier of what the world needs, of what the world is hungering for. Some of you just got set free. (laughs) We have it. We have it. We have what is transformational. Shift our mindsets for a minute guys. What What if we go down tomorrow to the floor at work with all the machines and we walk in like this. Not all prideful and arrogant, but what if we walk in with confidence? knowing that I'm carrying a message that is transformational, unlike anything else that has ever been heard? What if you go to the office tomorrow and you go to your cubicle and you sit there and you think differently, you view things differently because you are the carrier of an awesome message that brings transformation? What if you walk the sidewalk of your campus from building to building and when you sit down in your room, in your classroom with all of your other peers and people that you don't even know and you sit there and think for a minute, I've got a message and it's awesome and it's transformational. Who can I share it with? What if we shift our minds? If we're not seeing people transformed then I argue with you are you proclaiming what is urgent Look with me at Acts chapter 2 verse 40 it says this with many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them save yourselves from this corrupt generation there was something urgent that had to be declared Something urgent was stirring within Peter that he had to declare. What is stirring within you that is more urgent than the gospel? Think about it. Hypothetically, ask yourself this question. What is stirring in me right now that is more urgent than the gospel? It is God's will that all of mankind live dead but not experience the spiritual death that many are choosing. We have it within us and we have the courage. Like the apostles of the New Testament, we have this urgent news to proclaim and it'll take courage. We have a dangerous message. Think about it. We're dangerous people. Well, I'm not a Navy SEAL. I'm not a commando. I'm not a fighter pilot. I'm not a fireman. I'm not dangerous. When the enemy looks at you, I think he begs to differ. We intimidate him. We're dangerous people. I think about this, that if there are Muslims in the world that are encountering Christ, this dangerous message, and they're being transformed, and knowing that when they accept Christ, they will soon physically die because they will be killed for what they now believe in. And I think of us that we don't even know what persecution is and we can't share the awesome news of Jesus. Wednesday night, I spend time with our students and I'm constantly encouraging them to share their story, to go into their schools and share their story with other students. I told them, I said, guys, there's nothing that I would ask you to do that I'm not willing to do or I haven't done. And I've explained to them, I have been hit with rocks. I have been spit on. I have been kicked. I've been threatened with hockey sticks. And it didn't stop me. What are we willing to do? To be courageous for Jesus, to live dead and take the initiative to share the gospel of Jesus. Everything just turned. The tide just turned. Let's stop looking at the enemy and go, I don't know what to do. Let's start looking at the enemy and saying, your tide is about to turn. What you've been doing just isn't working anymore. And what we're coming with is something greater and more powerful. So you might as well take a seat. We are dangerous people. But are we willing to live dangerously? Because there is a difference. We can walk around declaring to the enemy that we're dangerous, but if he doesn't see action, what's to believe? The enemy wants nothing more than for us to be silent and waste time. And that's why we must realize that hesitancy and timidity are shackles that bind us from being courageous. Fear of man prevents us from stepping out in faith and being courageous. And we must overcome this fear of failing man because that's not not what's going to matter when we stand before the Lord. What matters is how much do we fear God. And we need to stop... Worrying that we're going to fail God. For some of us, we're so afraid that we're going to fail God that we don't bother to share the gospel with other people because we're afraid we're going to do it wrong or we're going to disappoint God, and it's impossible. God doesn't see you as a failure. He sees you as a winner because of what Christ did and went to the cross. It's the enemy who will tell you that you're going to fail God. Now, I understand. I understand that proclaiming urgent news can be scary. I understand that it can be uncomfortable. I understand that it can be awkward, but understand you're not alone in two ways. One, you're not alone, because if you look around, you have a community of faith that surrounds you, and they're doing the same thing. So you're not the only one that's scared, and that's okay. But what really should motivate us and matter most is that we're not alone spiritually. We have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, the one who set heaven into motion and earth into motion with one spoken word. We have them on our side, and we're not really alone alone. The book of Acts tells us that the Holy Spirit came to help us. And if you read a little further, there's a word there that starts with a W and it's called witnesses. The Holy Spirit didn't come so we could have some feel-good goosebumps and sit around and talk about it. He came so that we could be activated and be active and live dead. And I will say this, if you're not scared, check your pulse. Because you're dead. And you're not living dead. There should be a a humility about us that when we go to talk to somebody about Jesus, that we just, whether you mutter the words under your breath or like you declare it out loud in in a voice like this, but there should be a, a prayer within us that says, Jesus, oh man, I don't want to do this in my own passion. I don't want to do this in my own charisma. I don't want to do this in my own power. I need all of you in order to do this. That's where we want to be. It's time to do something because time is running out and we have been given a responsibility to proclaim an urgent message. God is not stopping time, if you have realized He's not saying, well, if we can just get the bride of Christ in the right place, we'll just stop time, and and then once they're there, we'll just let them go and take over the earth. He did that when he told Adam to take dominion. So if we have courage infused within us, then we must realize that courage is the DNA of love. If we truly love Jesus and have truly accepted him as our personal savior, and we've truly accepted his love, we have the proper amount of courage that we need. And we can't have courage without love. If we just try to have courage without love, we'll end up hurting somebody. And I'm not talking physically, but just we'll be so overwhelmed and so passionate that we'll forget about the needs of others all for the sake of courage, but we need the love of Jesus. And you can't have courage without love or love without courage. But sometimes we forget that we serve a courageous God, that he believes in us. God's a believer too. He believes in us. He's so for us, and he believes in his own abilities through us. And because of his character being on the line, he's always going to back us up when he calls us to do something. So we're never alone. Let's finish with this. Acts chapter five, verse 42 says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news. Courage means that that we take action with love. The greatest good that we can ever do is be courageous enough to live, to serve others in love. But if we neglect to do it in the name of Jesus, we haven't succeeded. Understand this, the world... Serves the world. Buddhists serve people in need. They go to soup kitchens. Greenpeace serves the world with trees. Anyone can serve. But the difference between us and everyone else is not that we outserve. It's that we serve and we present the message of the gospel wherever we go. Wherever Jesus is present, his message is present. And we have to shift our thinking. It says the apostles gathered daily and courageously. They served others in love, but with the message of Jesus. I think we have the serving thing down. I just think we're missing the most important part of it. Serving with the message of gospel. And here's why. This is my argument. Feel free to rebuttal. We're called to be different than the culture. That means if we're doing the same thing the culture does, we're really no different. I really like what this pastor once said. I don't know the name of him. I heard him when he was speaking, and he said, the church needs to stop sleeping with the culture in order to try relating to the culture. If all we have to offer are good deeds, smiles, and kind words, we're no different than the culture, and we've resorted to being sissy Christians. Do you know sissy is a real word? It has a real definition. It means a person who is regarded as cowardly. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a sissy Christian. We cannot become so covert in what we do that the culture sees no difference from us and them. I'm going to ask you to stand. Stand. Church, I will tell you this, that the culture has grown tired of our religious talk. But we still possess the most magnificent, most stunning, most beautiful, most indestructible, life-changing, powerful message that has ever touched the face of the earth, and that is the gospel. That is the gospel. And you know what? the culture isn't tired of hearing that because they want transformation. We will not be silenced. We will be people of courage. We're full of God's spirit and we're full of his word, which means there is no longer such a thing as a normal conversation. So with this, as we are called to live dead, I'm going to invite Pastor Nicole to come And lead us in a prayer as we begin to leave this morning. Pastor Nicole.
2: Pray with me. Mighty God, today we corporately embrace the call to change the way we live. Because we really want to die. We confess that real living is about dying inwardly. Teach us to cultivate courage. Courage that only you can provide. Thank you that when you look at us, you smile because you know that we are impossible to be subdued and we have the ability to wear courage like a breastplate. We are your warriors and we recognize today that the call to be courageous is not an option. We are prepared for our options to narrow as we choose to live dead. Our courage will not be rationalized. We will not be a community of excuses or false reasoning. We ask that you draw us all into a place of intimacy with you, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And our intimacy with you is what will intimidate the enemy, and our confidence, acceptance, identity, and position in Christ are what will give us courage to proclaim what is urgent. We confess and take ownership that you have entrusted us with a dangerous and urgent message called the gospel, and we will no longer waste time or be silent. And in the name of Jesus, we break off the shackles of hesitancy and timidity that bind us from being courageous for you. And today we overcome the fear of failing man, and especially you, Lord God. We declare that we, are, we serve a courageous God who believes in us, he's for us, and he believes in his own abilities through us. And we thank you for backing us up when you call us to be something from this point forward. We will take action with love. We will not be silent. We are called to live dead and be your people of courage and who are full of God's spirit and word. And we pray and declare all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.